Welcome back to the Manga Revolution Podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary and reviews on the latest manga and anime news. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Rock. How are you, Rock? Doing awesome, Kevin. Glad to be here. Good, good. Good to have you here. We're uh, excited to be podcasting again. We didn't, we only were able to film one episode uh, last month, but I'm good to get back into to the flow of things. So, um, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Kaiju Number Eight's recent um, story arc uh, called the Kaiju Weapon Arc uh, that takes place over chapters 41 through 55. And really, just wanted to bring this up just because we wanted to talk about um, the all the re- recent happenings of this series that we've kind of been. Not not so hot on, but recent stuff that's happened. I think we should just talk about the entire arc um, and see what what our thoughts are. And I thought this was a good opportunity for that. But before we get into uh, Kaiju Number Eight's recent story arc, um, wanted to do some quick housekeeping. So you could always follow the Manga Revolution podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you could get podcasts. You could also we would love it if you get rate us and review us five stars. Um, and you could follow all the work that Rock and I do on ConcRevolution.com, where we put a bunch of stuff about the comic book and manga industry. I know Rock's been doing a lot of sales breakdowns and things like that for manga and comic books. So just kind of comparing where the industry's at. Um, and I've been handling some reviews and commentary pieces as well. So you can check us out there and you can follow myself at the Kevin Linus on Twitter and Nerdy Kev at, on TikTok and Rock, where could we find you? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at rock 2 ks Revolution. Awesome. Well, um, before we get into Kaiju number eight's uh, recent story arc, Rock, I wanted to do a quick catch up with you and see what, what you've been reading or watching that you want to uh, mention before. Well, you know, as far as what I've been reading, Kevin, I have, of course, been reading all the manga titles that we normally review. Mm-hmm. But I finally, I have finally now saw, I watched the anime, but I've finally gotten up the courage to go back and start with the first chapter and read One Punch Man. And so I'm now reading One Punch Man from the beginning. Again, it's uh, it's kind of cool because you can see the differences between, mm-hmm. there's always differences between the manga and the anime, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of fun since I've only ever seen the anime to see the differences. And of course, it, there's the manga continues on where the anime stopped, obviously. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to that point in the uh, in the manga yet, but I'm really enjoying it. It's been fun. I, I always delay. Whenever I see an anime first, Kevin, I always delay reading the manga. Because I'm like, well, is it is it worth it? You know what I mean? And since One Punch Man is continuing on, I figured, well, it's since it's continuing on past the anime, I might as well just yeah. start from the beginning and plow my way through all 100 and some chapters. <laughs> <laughs> so is this your first time uh, reading a manga? Yeah, I've never read the manga at all, ever. I've only seen the anime. And okay. so... I, I like it. I, I'm i really enjoying it. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like I said, it's it, the most recent chapter that came out. Um, like January 26 was chapter 154. Mm-hmm. So when you when I see that, it's like, oh, God, it's a lot of chapters I got to read to yeah. catch up. But yeah. but I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that I'm doing it. It's, yeah. I pick just one title at a time, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Manga Revolution podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary and reviews on the latest manga and anime news. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Rock. How are you, Rock? Doing awesome, Kevin. Glad to be here. Good, good. Good to have you here. We're uh, excited to be podcasting again. We didn't. We only were able to film one episode uh, last month, but good to get back into to the flow of things. So. Um, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Kaiju Number Eight's recent 
um, story arc uh, called the Kaiju Weapon Arc uh, that takes place over chapter 41 through 55. And really just wanted to bring this up just because we wanted to talk about um, the, all the re- recent happenings of this series that we've kind of been not, not so hot on, but recent stuff that's happened, I think we should just talk about the entire arc um, and see what, what our thoughts are. And I thought this was a good opportunity for that. But before we get into uh, Kaiju number eight's recent story arc, I um, wanted to do some quick housekeeping. So you could always follow the Manga Revolution podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you could get podcasts. You could also, we would love it if you get rate us and review us five stars. Um, and you could follow all the work that Rock and I do on conkrevolution.com, where we put a bunch of stuff about the comic book and manga industry. I know Rock's been doing a lot of sales breakdowns and things like that for manga and comic books. You're just kind of comparing where the industry's at. Um, and I've been handling some reviews and commentary pieces as well. So you could check us out there and you can follow myself at the Kevin Linus on Twitter and uh, Nerdy Kev at, on TikTok and Rock, where could we find you? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Rock 2K's Revolution. Awesome. Well, um, before we get into Kaiju number eight's uh, recent story arc, Rock, I wanted to do a quick catch up with you and see what, what you've been reading or watching that you want to uh, mention before. Well, you know. As far as what I've been reading, Kevin, I have, of course, been reading all the manga titles that we normally review. Mm-hmm. But I finally, I have finally now saw, I watched the anime, but I've finally gotten up the courage to go back and start with the first chapter and read One Punch Man. And so I'm now reading One Punch Man from the beginning. Again, it's uh, it's kind of cool because you can see the differences between, mm-hmm. there's always differences between the manga and the anime, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of fun since I've only ever seen the anime to see the differences and of course, it, there's the manga continues on where the anime stopped. Obviously, mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to that point in the uh, in the manga yet, but I'm really enjoying it. It's been fun. I, I always delay whenever I see an anime first, Kevin. I always delay reading the manga because I'm like, "What well, is it? Is it worth it?" You know what I mean? And since One Punch Man is continuing on, I figured, well, it's since it's continuing on past the anime, I might as well just. Yeah. Start from the beginning and plow my way through all a hundred and some chapters. <laughs> so is this your first time uh, reading a manga? Yeah, I've never read the manga at all, ever. I've only seen the anime, okay. and so I, I like it. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like I said, it's it, the most recent chapter that came out, um, like January 26th was chapter 154. Mm-hmm. So when you... When I see that, it's like, oh god, it's a lot of chapters I got to read to yeah. catch up. But, yeah. but I'm I'm glad I'm glad that I'm doing it. It's yeah. I pick just one title at a time, Kevin. Mm. To you know to 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 catch up from from the very beginning to to get current. I usually do one title at a time. I do that, and I rotate that one title into my regular mix of reading. And so it was one one punch man's turn. Really, <laughs> I really have enjoyed it. Now, this this happens to me a lot when, especially rewatching or or rereading stuff, that I'm keeping an eye on certain characters. Are there characters that you're like, especially knowing what happens in the anime, that you're like, like looking at their dialogue a little bit more than than like you would have done if you're if you were just reading this without having watched the anime at all? I, uh, I'm, yes, I am pretty. I'm still pretty early in, so we haven't gotten a chance to meet a lot of the you know main reoccurring characters but i will say i am i am specifically fixating on genos more than i would have if i if i hadn't seen the anime 
I would not have been fixating on his character very much at this point in the manga. I really wouldn't have. But because I've seen the anime, I am really fixating on his character a lot more. Okay. Because I, I just I found his character to be so fascinating in the anime, and so I'm I'm really well, paying a lot more attention to him now. Again, because you're still early on, so like it's and yeah, my trend has been out for a while. So like, oh yeah, we could go into a little bit of spoilers. But what are things about Gino that has stood out to you, like in this read through compared to like when you were just watching the anime? I think. I actually think that I like Saitama's character more in the manga. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, I like his character in the anime. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I really, I really love the anime. But I think Sa- Saitama's character's a little more interesting in the manga. And why? Why do you think that is? Is it because of the the manga style or yes. the, the dialogue and stuff like that, or yeah. compared to the man- I, anime? I, yeah, I think it is. I think it's the medium of manga, the written medium. It, I think it has allowed me to become a little closer to him and more in his mind than I was able to do so in the anime. And I find that a lot with manga. Yeah. But I'm able to get closer to the character. And definitely here. I, I, yeah. I yeah. And especially since you only watch the anime, are you finding stuff that like, oh, they cut this out of the anime compared like yes. for, for, for the anime? Like, what are there any specific scenes that have stood out to you in, in that one punch run that helped? With like enjoying Saitama or Gino's character you know, more. It seems like they cut out is just some of the quieter moments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of the more, just the quieter, more introspective moments seem to have been skipped over or glossed over, mm-hmm. maybe in the anime in favor of going more action forward, which I totally get because the action is is cool. But I think they missed on some of the some interesting character work possibly that could have been done so like the manga lets you like sit with yeah. the characters a little bit more so that yeah. you could get in their heads and stuff like that than yeah. the, the anime did yeah which i i really i really like and it, it, it doesn't slow the story down too much it's not mm-hmm. like it makes it boring yeah. not at all uh but i like i like some of the quieter smaller moments where you can really just connect with the characters a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, i i feel like i just I have more of that opportunity as I'm reading the manga than I did while I was watching the anime. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know for the anime, I honestly have only watched the first season because the second mm-hmm. season was like exclusive to Hulu, which I they didn't yes. have until recently. Right. Um, yep. So, and I've been meaning to watch season two, but maybe I'll just go and read the manga instead. Cause I know that season two isn't everyone's favorite in, in terms it's, of like, yeah. especially compared to like season one, but agree um, with that. But yeah. I'm, very interested in one punch man has always been on the, my list of things that I need to get to. And especially yeah. having the Viz, that's the cool thing about having the Viz uh, subscription is that it's on there. So maybe I will check out the manga as I'm watching stuff on Netflix and things like that. I would definitely recommend it over the, if you were going to do one or the other, mm-hmm. do the manga. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, that's just my, just my personal take. Yeah. And then for, for me, the one anime that's kind of caught my interest a little bit for in terms of the, the newest stuff that's coming out is The Prince's Guide to Saving a Kingdom um, is because uh, I'm not sure if you heard of this one, Rock, but yeah. it's um, basically with the main character, he wants to sell off his kingdom, but he cannot uh, make it seem like like overtly that he wants to do that. So he has to show superiority and just kind of he goes into battles or wars with other countries like thinking he's going to lose, but he creates all these strategies like so that way he um, he makes it look like he does want to like his armies to fight and stuff. 
but because he because he's super smart and he doesn't know how smart he is and that how dumb like other countries are or their strategies are compared to him that he ends up winning all these battles so he keeps continuously gets frustrated that damn it did, did my plan didn't work of our country having to get sold off and things like that so because I, I i just claimed that country city or whatever and so yeah. it's like his frustrations of and i, I find that as interesting because it's like a character that you're supposed to kind of hate and supposed to be <laughs> like it's, a, it's supposed to be the good guy but he's not really the good guy he's just trying to get get enough money to retire basically he just wants a, like a beach house he just <laughs> wants to retire to a beach house he does not even want to be the king or whatever and he but every every he is so smart and so like uh ahead of every like other strategists and stuff stuff like that that he doesn't get that he needs to be even dumber maybe <laughs> and so so it's what like is- a funny con it's a funny contrast and uh, I, i've been enjoying it it's only like i think four episodes in, it's on funimation right. um and and yeah and that one and the other one that's kind of i'm surprised that i've actually enjoyed and um is actually let me look at it real quick is going to be and if you're into just like cosplay like i would actually recommend uh my dress up darling too so it's um it's it's just a relationship between two high schoolers that like one of them he's a hina doll maker and a girl that wants like a a girl that wants to be a cosplayer but she sucks at sewing so she kind of she and this guy that that's a hina doll and he's been like uh he's been made fun of his entire life because he loves the hina dolls um and but now he found this one girl that because she wants to be a cosplayer and she saw that he's a pretty good sewer that hey i want you to create my cosplay so it's kind of like it's a relationship thing of like them building out their relationship and getting to know each other because she's more a per a type and he's more he's definitely a reserved b type character so it's uh so it's it's a little fun dynamic so if you're you're into cosplay and like into that like culture thing a culture and then just like into like the slice of life I do actually recommend checking that out because it's a fun little comedic anime. That's cool. So yeah, so um, those those are really like the two of this season that have caught my eye in terms of the the newest animes. Like reading wise, I have actually been caught um, catching up. My my One Punch Man is actually Boruto. Um, oh, nice. I, I caught up because like because um, it's one of those manga kind of like Dragon Ball Z where it releases once a month, right? And so so I kind of just let almost all of twenty twenty two or 2021 sit like the entire entire time so i've actually caught up on the 12 chapters from last year and i've i'm starting to like it again um well well, starting to like it for like really the first time but there's still like it it, where the main character is starting to get much more interesting where boruto the son of naruto um he's going away from being the brat character that i really was annoyed with at the beginning of the series um, and they are doing really cool, cool things of like taking chances where like, well, I have mixed feelings about how they kind of almost depowered Naruto. It's not, I'm not going to spoil how they do it or anything like that. Um, but there's, since the anime is going on, but I have found it interesting to see how they've challenged our main characters from the pre, uh, um, original series with Naruto and Sasuke specifically. Um, they have found ways to kind of depower those characters, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, it's, it has created some. Inter- I can't say that it hasn't created interesting stories because he does seem like uh, Kishimoto is taking chances with those characters, and I'm glad that he's taking risks because he could have totally gone the other direction of like with Dragon Ball Z of like Goku and Vegeta, like Naruto and Sasuke are Goku and Vegeta, and they always have to be superior. Yeah. Um. Then go like Gohan, Piccolo, and everybody else. So I'm glad that he's actually is taking like kind of almost learning lessons from Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super of like 
hey, these were my main characters, but that doesn't mean that they're invincible, that they can't be defeated or I can't take chances with them. So so on that end, I'm very happy as but as the hardcore Naruto fan as I am, I'm like, why did you have to do this to my favorite characters? Um, <laughs> but the, but like I said, th- those things have been interesting in terms of just story story impact and things like that. And ma- it has made Boruto and the, the secondary character, I would say like the second main character for Kawaki, uh, uh, interesting characters because they're it seems like we're finally going to get, eventually get to the point where the first chapter and the first episode of the anime started, which is the flash forward of Boruto as like a 16 year old. Um, it does seem like maybe at some point in 2022, we're going to get to that point of like, we're going to get to the flash forward that we saw in the first episode, first chapter. Um, and I'm really excited about that because hopefully my, my one critique for real critique for Boruto that I'm still um, hoping that they fix eventually is bringing back the supporting cast because the, like the cool thing about Naruto was the supporting cast and like how it wasn't just Naruto's story. It was Sakura. It was Hinata. Um, it was uh, Shikamaru and everybody else were, did get moments um, that were part of like Naruto's cast. Boruto doesn't have that. It's basically just Boruto's story. And then like Kawaki's the second character and then everybody else just is background filler. Like they don't really get to do anything. And, and especially with how crazy pow- powered Boruto and Kawaki are right now. Mm. All the other characters just feel like nothing compared to them. And because they haven't had the time to develop. And I think that's one of the bad things about it being once a month those characters don't get them get the time to shine where like we know how like other mangas like naruto included were like weekly so you had chap like chapters to dedicate for a character because right. then that next week you could go back to your main character like we sell with, with most manga right now that has that benefit i think that is really a benefit of like releasing weekly or like three times a month yeah. that you could dedicate a chapter to a side like a side character supporting character but when you have like once a month, you only could dedicate it to the main character. And that's the problem it's running into. It's kind of the conflict, like with the issue with conflict, sometimes the issues with conflicts that the conflict, because it's once a month, you have to dedicate that almost the entire time to your main character, not to the, you know, you can't dedicate it to Mary Jane the entire time or like for one chapter, because that then you go a month without Spider-Man. Right, right. So that's interesting you say that. It's funny. Your reaction to Baroto reminds me, here's my obligatory Kanika Mind reference, Kevin. <laughs> They did the big time jump and gave you the second generation. You know, it's long time has passed. So the original characters, they're all older. So they're they're not they're they they play second fiddle to all the newer characters because they're young and strong. And you're like, no, I want my Buffalo Man to be the strongest ever or my Warsman to be the strongest ever. You know, so I get that adjustment that you have to kind of make when you get like a, a second generation story that it can be a little bit tough at first. Mm-hmm. But I, that's one reason why I haven't read Baruto, to be honest with you, is because I like Naruto so much. I was like, I don't know if I want to see all the characters that I like not be, you know, mm-hmm. the top dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, and there's, story, there's, de- there's definitely story reasons. And if, like, if you haven't read, um, read Boruto or anything since the end of Naruto, Mm-hmm. If you do ever do get a chance to, um, and you ever feel like reading Boruto, I would do suggest watching the final Naruto movie, the Naruto the last movie, I think it's called. Okay. Okay. Um, because the it, the current Boruto series, like both the anime and manga, build off what the what that's uh, that movie did. Okay. Would you um, say that it's 
as a Naruto fan, is it worth me picking this manga up? I think the manga is worth picking up. The anime, I wouldn't because I've tried to get through the anime. The anime is slow. Um, At the beginning, it's starting to pick up, but I haven't, like, from what I hear, it's starting to pick up, especially as, like, the last year or two. But it's still a lot. Um, So I think experiencing through the manga is much better because, like I said, I I could be reading a while and watching stuff on Netflix and things like that. Right. I think if you do have it, a chance to, I, I, I would recommend it. There's like, I think they're only on like about chapter 60 because um, okay. it is once a month um, for okay. as long as it's been going on. It, it, like I said, it, it, that's a be- kind of the beauty of it being once a month that you don't have that many chapters to catch up on compared to other mangas. Right. So um, once it starts getting into the teens and starts getting past like the Boruto movie and stuff like that, I think it is starting to hit its stride. Um, it's But you do definitely see the both the benefits and the um, the issues when it comes to like releasing once a month, because like once a month is like, it, it is easier for him, like, especially because he's the creator and the artists have more time to make the, all the panels and everything more detailed. Yep. But at the same time, you're like, all, I feel like it suffers from not having the side characters anymore. I get that. That makes the side sense. characters aren't as strong in Boruto as in Naruto, I would say. Okay. But yeah, no, that's my commentary on that. So um, let's get right into our Kaiju number eight discussion, which is our topic of the show. So um, the reason I rock and I have been discussing what we're going to talk about, and we, we brought up Kaiju number eight because um, with, with the series, I rock, um, we've been kind of lukewarm on the series, I would say, like, <laughs> yeah. in, in, like at towards the end of 2021, like we yeah. didn't really... There was like a lot of repetition, especially with Kafka's character. I would say, like when I was listening back to the episodes, like, yeah, we're, we're not really enjoying this as much as we were when, like, at the beginning of the year or like when oh, we yeah. first started reading the series. Yeah, totally agree. So, um, but I think the most re- like the most recent developments, I think over the last couple of chapters, has been a big deal that I wanted to dedicate like the uh, the main topic of the show to because. Um, there's a lot of big things actually happening that actually has piqued my interest going into like this new year that mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting because it's been such a low, like the, <laughs> like towards the end of the year that like, I was really so like, it almost hit me of like how, how impactful these last, like I would say two to three chapters have been compared to like the previous, like 12, 12 to 15 chapters. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah. It's, it, it's been very dramatic in the shift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, so um, but before we get into like all the spoilery stuff, I want to just kind of recap what, what's been going on. So that way we, everybody knows what, what we're going to be talking about. So like we're Kaiju number eight. They're currently in their, the middle of the Kaiju weapon arc, um, which is chapter 41 through 55. Um, and right before this story arc, we did have like the split up of the third division, which was the division that Kafka was originally in because they the um, defense force needed to split up the powers to the other divisions, kind of spread it out because the other divisions, while they had strong members, like in, at the top, they like they didn't have as as strong of a of like a bottom as the third division. So that we did see that uh, Kikuru uh, Shinomiya, Aoi uh, Kagurai, uh, Iharu uh, Furuhashi, and uh, Lino Ichikawa and and uh, Haruchi Izumo. Um, were all transferred from the third division, which were like they were the prominent new newbies of the third division. They were all kind of spread to the other divisions, and specifically Kikuru, we've been spending the most time with um, since the split. Uh, and she's been she's gone to the first division, which is under the command of uh, Gen 
uh, Narumi, uh, who's the actually strong, even stronger than um, than most of the other division captains. He's actually seen as the top division captain um, in there. So, so she was transferred there. We saw, we got to see again. Like he actually proved that he is probably the strongest outside of uh, the director general uh, Shinomura. Yeah. For sure, <laughs> for sure, and then and we do definitely see that in this story arc because um, with this new story arc with the kaiju weapon it ha- has involved kaiju number nine returning because we saw him we've seen him pop up here and there throughout the series, uh, but this is really a main focus of kaiju number nine, um, and so with uh, like with the most recent kai- kaiju attack in Tokyo, the uh, first division was sent out and Kafka is part of the first division as, but he's not a member; he's more seen as just a weapon. Um, yeah, he's yeah, he's not a full fledged member. He's yeah, just kind so, of he's he's a he's a tool to be used yeah. when, when when needed, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's like, they definitely call him just like a weapon. So he's not unlike Kiku, who is official member of the first division. He's not. You're, he's, he's, he's he's like a he's the kaiju weapons that they they've been using. So he's an asset. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. So we have that, and so Tokyo gets attacked, um, and uh, there's like a huge hole that gets in the middle of like uh, Tokyo Shinagawa Ward, and um, th- that's where the First Division responds. And while the First Division is trying to fight off the kai- uh, Kaiju Swarm, Kaiju Number Nine appears, and while Kafka initially has trouble transforming, he does eventually transform. So he Kikuru and again do fight off Kaiju Number Nine, but that Kaiju Number Nine's body ends up being a fake. Um, and Kaiju number nine, the real Kaiju number nine actually ends up showing up at the Defense Forces headquarters where he f- ends up fighting uh, the director general. Um, and Shinomiya does put up a really good fight. And um, but eventually Kaiju number nine de- defeats him, not, but not only defeats him, but absorbs Kaiju uh, uh, Shinomiya into him. So he could take on his form, and, but not only take on his form, but also absorbs the power of Kaiju number two. Um, so he has both of those. And so we're basically right now in the middle of that aftermath of now the Defense Force not only suffered this huge loss, but now we don't have the Director General Shinomiya um, around. It. And again, Kafka and Kikuru have to deal with that. So that's where we really leave off with those characters. And the most recent chapter, which is Chapter 55, that just came out this past week, we got a pretty big uh, cliffhanger of yeah. Kaiju number 10 appearing, but uh, but the character that ends up helping Kaiju number 10 debut is none other than Soshiro Oshina, which is the vice captain for the third division. So we have this big cliffhanger. We don't know Soshiro if he is on the good or bad side of Kaiju because it's very much implicating that he is on the bad side, but we know how shady of a character he's been throughout the series. So yeah. there's really no telling where he what direction they're going to go with his character. Yep. So especially with that big splash shot i was i was, I told rock we need to talk about this because it feels like <laughs> we've just been having a lot of big things happen these last yeah. two chapters so especially yeah. so rock what what have you thought of the kaiju number nine battle with overall i loved the kaiju number nine battle look this has been the strength of kaiju number eight even when i had some real criticisms with other aspects of the story and felt like the title was losing steam. The one part of this title that has always done well, in my opinion, has been the action and fight psychology that has never waned. In my opinion, from the very first chapter to right now, that's the one thing I know I can always count on. And I think we got that. And we got that in heaps 
with the battle with Kaiju number nine. The fight psychology was phenomenal. This is like amazing booking from pro wrestling in the 90s, you know, where your, 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 your baby faces are having to go through all these hoops trying to beat this heel who is like the undertaker and keeps rising up. You, you just you you just gave him a stunner and then you think you're you've won it and then he just pops back up again and stares at you and you're like oh my god and then you have like a legend coming back to to fight the unstoppable monster and in the director and the director falls in defeat after putting up a hell of a fight because he's fighting an impossible villain and you know he's older and that that's what happens with legends and then you have our our heroes then once again rising back to the challenge to take on the the unstoppable villain and and at least at least being able to convey you know while kaiju number nine is still is still out there as a threat we at least see how our heroes are able to rally and stand up to them and 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 flex their powers right I, I thought it was again just brilliant fight psychology the ebb and flow of the battle and how every character had to kind of level up during the battle how the younger characters had to kind of level up to to fight kaiju number nine i like that i like the way he ended it too actually i i i'm glad that kaiju number nine gets his ass beat by kaiju number eight and by uh by gen but then he gets to make the escape so he's still out there so our heroes got to flex their powers you know what i mean like yeah well uh, and that that was that was actually i think that that's what really helped that reveal that they were actually fighting a fake body um like a kind of clone kind of clone body of kaiju number kaiju number nine because you were able to see everybody fighting at their maximum power Yep, but yep. it caught it catches you off guard when he reveals they're like oh crap we were not fighting the real one we were fighting right. a clone body and that right. I, I feel like they did he did such a good job of um showing you what was it um again fighting at 98 percent of his combat yes. suit along yes. with the strongest like the the, the weapon made out of the first ka- the kaiju number one that like the you see all the, this maximum attack that getting unleashes. Yep. You see Kikaru going all out in like kind of almost like a berserker mode. Like mm-hmm. and she used to really see her character grow uh, compared to especially where we've seen her in previous stories. Um, yep. you see her go all out in like kind of like I said a berserker mode, and then when Kafka finally gets to transform and he uses his power and stuff like that, you have all this buildup with these three characters fighting all out, and then just for it to turn out that this was like what a clone body of Kaiju Number yep. Nine like elevates Kaiju number nine even higher because you're like they it took all these atta- massive attacks everybody almost at full power to to unleash and like they were barely able to defeat him and then you find out that Kaiju number nine is actually like sneaking his way into the defense forces like it, it's really like you said it's fight psychology and I think it's a really good way to just show where everybody's at at their top level at the moment and that absolutely now because they only were able to defeat a clone body and it took so much effort they have a lot more room to grow. And I think that's really important is that you show that these characters, even going all out, they still have a lot of room to grow because they were barely able to defeat Kaiju number nine's clone body, not real right. body. So it's like, right. so they're, they're, so it gives even more motivation when we see chapter 55 of like, 
uh, with Gant's character, like really stepping up to be a leader, like more of a leader now that General Shinomiya is not around. Um, it gives more weight to that because you saw like everybody, even the strongest character so far established now need, needs to get stronger than he already is. Right. It's, it's no, it is brilliant fight psychology. This is what I love and have consistently loved about Kaiju number eight. It's, it's fantastic. And it's not just your typical, I got to level up. I got to level up, you know, Dragon Ball style of, of fight psychology. It's no, this is really more like, I'm serious. This is more like pro wrestling style fight psychology. Yeah. Where we, we learn, we learn what your limits are now and what you need to do to go to the next level. It's, and I also think, you know, look, it, it, it's a typical shonen manga trope, right? The old guard has to give way to the new guard, and is the new guard capable of filling in the shoes of the old guard? And that's what we're presented with at the end of the story arc, right? That's what we're presented with. Yeah, and I think that just going back to like Kaiju number nine, too, I think this is kind of a good example of how you have to make your the main characters need to be as interesting as possible because you could have the most simple villain, which I would say Kaiju number nine is a simple maniacal villain of like, yes, I'm here to conquer everything. I'm taking over. He's, he's very simple. It's not like he's overly complicated villain, but that's fine because you, as long as your main characters are very interesting and have a lot of like layers to them, you don't need a villain that's as layered as the main, as your main protagonist. And that's what you get with Gen, Kafka and, and Kikuru, I would argue. So that way their story arcs and their path to power or whatever, it has all these layers. So that went that with Kaiju number nine, you could make him as simple as dastardly a villain. Like I'm just conquering the world. I'm going to take over. I'm going to be the most powerful. That's all you need need of him. And he's going to be just as interesting because you have these other characters that have these multi-layered going on with, with, when it comes to their growth. Um, So, and that's what I really enjoy. You got to, sometimes you just want to keep it simple. And I think that's what they're doing with Kaiju number nine in this story. Oh, I no, I agree. And I think it's more tapping into the man versus nature theme. Kaiju number nine doesn't need to be anything more than a force of nature, an unstoppable force of nature. And that mankind has to somehow struggle with, and try to figure a way to defeat. And that, I'm totally fine with that. Not every villain needs to be this sympathetic character, this complex, you know, shades of gray type of character. Sometimes when your heroes are confronted with a just a simple force of nature, that will allow you to explore your protagonist in a much more interesting and deep fashion. Yeah, and especially when you get into that fight of like Director General uh, Shinomiya, like that struggle with him him and Kaiju number nine basically, or Kaiju number nine going back and forth in their fight and how intense that got. You're like, you could see Kaiju number nine take so much pleasure in like all the pain he's causing and how he's putting, even though General Shinomiya is unleashing all these powerful attacks, you know that he knows the entire time General Shinomiya is just fighting to defend himself. He's not fighting to attack me or or like be able to finish me off until the very end. You could see that pleasure in him and then like that pleasure turn into, oh shit, like General Shinomiya is about to uh, launch this massive attack that's going to take me out. And and you, and like you could see that switch because General Shinomiya like unleashes this massive attack that looks like he wins at the end. 
Um, but then that that also shows that oh, Kaiju number nine what, what is more intelligent that you give him credit for, and he pulls off like one big gamble, and that gamble plays off for him. So, um, which gets into it of like, what do you think of like Kaiju number nine like absorbing General Shinomiya? Like, it's not just that General Shinomiya dies; he, right. he dies in the minds of like the the defense force, but right. he's not re- like we don't know if he's really dead because we we still don't know about the whole kaiju stuff and how Correct. they absorb bodies and things like that Correct. so he's kind of still around but he's part of kaiju number nine now so like what what do you think of that and how do you think that that's going to be used here in the future i think that's fantastic and far more compelling than simply just having him killed off and oh now it's a revenge story right not only do we have to fill the the shoes of the old guard but we also have to get revenge on the bad guy at the same time right this is way more fascinating because we don't know really what happens when a kaiju powered human gets absorbed by a kaiju are they still alive but now their their subconscious is is weaved into the kaiju's being and they're just kind of like a a a captive audience inside the kaiju right and or are they an evil version of what they used to be right we don't know but it it gives some depth to the storyline that otherwise wouldn't be there so now the next time we see kaiju number nine if he does assume you know isao's form it's going to have more of a psychological impact on our heroes mm-hmm. during the battle. Of course, mm-hmm. maybe we see Esau display some type of personality. Maybe you see him kind of surface and, you know, and, and, and be regretful or, or like, oh, this, you know, there, he's kind of like in purgatory where he's, he's being forced to watch him beat up his, his protégés, his daughter. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe... He's evil now and he likes it. We don't know, but it just offers up so many possibilities going forward with Kaiju number nine. It gives Matsumoto a lot more depth and a lot more range to 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 explore with Kaiju number nine's character in future conflicts to make it even more juicy and exciting. Maybe turn it up a notch with the spiciness with Kaiju number nine, because like you said, he's up till now a basic monster heel he's just a force of nature right this is maybe an opportunity to spice things up a little bit well i'm gonna bring in like kind of two different manga animes here uh like because this entire fight with like kaiju number nine especially once he started fighting uh uh general shinomiya Mm -hmm. uh it reminded me a lot of naruto in terms of like the orochimaru fighting the third hokage and that Uh, that uh, final battle leading to third hokage dying and you really saw like a shift in Naruto at that point when the third Hokage right. dies. It felt like Naruto, like the series changed. And that kind of is what this feels like. But it also feels like, especially because we have this absorption of General Shinomiya, it kind of um, also, I'm thinking of like Full Metal Alchemist with King Bradley as yeah. well. Like with King Bradley, yeah. who was inside the inside the system. And while like the defense force publicly like has a funeral for General Isao, this also makes gives room for a very, very, very bad thing for them to eventually happen of that Kaiju number nine reappears as General Shinomiya yeah, and he could actually like turn the public against the defense force by using General Shinomiya's face and voice yeah. and things like that. Cause so it feels like the defense force kinda is not not thinking long term and because like 
kaiju number and it also points to kaiju number nine like and all the other kaiju because we don't know how many kaijus are out there that they have this long-term plan and that they could possibly uh, with absorbing general shinomiya into their their fold that they could use that against the defense force or against our heroes um and i, I think that's going to be very interesting of how he turns that storyline because i feel like there's a lot of potential of like how they're going to use now kaiju like this, this development for for the kaiju number nine being general shinomiya no doubt it makes uh nothing nothing is uh is more formidable than a campaign of disinformation right to to split the ranks of your opponents it's 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 going to be very interesting how Makoto takes this especially because the reality is it's going to be interesting to see if the, the like the leaders of the defense force because right now they're kind of leaderless but they so they, yep, that they we only know now that they're probably going to be led by this council that that was previously established right without like a main figurehead of general like how general shinomiya was like the we saw that he was the fine, like the final word of everything. Like right. it, it was like every, he could get the opinions of the council, but at the end of the day, he makes the decisions and he made sure to every, let everybody know this is my decision with Kafka joining the first division and things like that. Um, now there's not that, there's that power vacuum. So it's going to be interesting to see if with the public funeral, it wasn't like that. This means that really it's only like a few people that know about Kaiju number nine absorbing general shinomiya if they're going to share that with the other divisions are they going to share that um with the public or how how that's going to go because if they keep it a secret that's going to be worse because what what happens if kaiju number nine fights one of the other divisions and general shinomiya suddenly appears as mina like mina's gonna be like what the hell's going on because the third division's fighting them and and she doesn't know and doesn't get that information from kafka or anybody in the defense forces so it's gonna it could cause a lot of like good drama if i think well, I think you're you're you you mention it, and I think it's worth talking about. There's now a power vacuum. Esau's not there anymore. He was the undisputed leader. He there is the council, but he's the one who made all the decisions, and they marched to his the beat of his drum. Now there's no leader. It's a couple of things. One, how many organizations do you know are successful that are run by committee versus one person? Not many. Two, now that there's a committee and there's a power vacuum, well, nature abhors a vacuum, right? Do we now see infighting in the defense force, infighting as various people race to try to grab power? And that dissension in the ranks can hurt them when being unified and fighting the kaiju threat. And they should also, maybe that will apply some more drama, if we do have dissension in the ranks as people vie for power, now we have that internal drama that everybody loves drama. Come on, telenovas are built off drama, right? Uh, You got to have the spicy drama to keep the storyline moving. May we see more of that as well. A lot of possibilities here. Yeah, and it also gives more reason why we're going to probably end up seeing the other divisions eventually here. Because we... You almost think we got to see all the other captains as well, because if we're going to have yeah. this power vacuum, you need leaders to to help with that power vacuum and all the councils. And um, we've only really seen Gen and Mina so far as the main captains, as the leaders of the defense force. So it's going to be interesting to see if they this is an avenue for them to introduce uh, the other divisions and like other captains as well, because um we haven't really met anybody else uh, um outside of gen and mina in terms of uh the other, um like other figureheads so it's going hopefully that that's at least my hope is that we meet the other captains cuz i think it'll be interesting to see what the different personalities in the, in the divisions are cuz 
you see again it goes from one extreme to the other of like being a ah. gamer boy a gamer boy that's stuck in his room to being this ultra badass and now it mm-hmm. seems like his direction is going to be more like being the ultra badass he's not going to go back to being like he is because he definitely has been kind of traumatized by by this and but he's used that trauma to push himself to be the actual leader that everybody thinks he is supposed to be right yep agreed it no i this is it's matsumoto has so many possible avenues in front of him this is as exciting a moment from just a sheer multiple plot line standpoint yeah i i feel like matsumoto has crafted so many different plot lines with so many different potential directions this is the moment where i think the story as we you know at the end of chapter 55 i think this story has never been this deep or this complex and had this many possibilities really i think this is the moment where it's it's pretty impressive where we've gotten and i think that this is also kind of established that uh, Matsumoto has kind of shifted directions a little bit when it comes to the characters that he wants to focus on because we started off with Kafka and Lino as the two the two pairs but I think this story especially has completely confirmed that he is going with Kikuru and that like as the as he's written Kaiju number eight I think he's kind of falling in love with Kikuru as being that secondary character and this this entire story I think was her like more so than any other character, I think she got the most development out of everybody because we Hands saw down. her backstory with her mom. We saw yeah. her backstory with her dad. And I think there is definitely a reason for her. And I think that the reason is that over Mina, over Lino, she's yep. now the second character. She's the second protagonist for, for the series. I would go even further than that, Kevin, and say she is the protagonist of the series. You think I think so? they should rename this manga the Kikoro <laughs> Show because that's what it is. I, I, look, I'm not... Deb- this is good character work. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying the quality of writing was bad. The character work done on Kikoro through the flashbacks and with Isao, her mother, and explaining the relationship she had with her mother and explaining the relationship she had with her father and why it shaped her and drove her to become the person that she is today to do the things that she has done to behave the way that she did in the earlier chapters. This is all excellent character work on Kikoro. Do not get me wrong. It is a phenomenal character. And if this manga was entitled The Kikuru Show, I would say, dude, you rocked it. You've killed it. You've made your protagonist really well fleshed out. So kudos on that. He's done a great job with Kikuru. The problem is Kafka continues to be a crap protagonist. Yeah. But we'll save that for, for later. Yeah, Kikuru, and I, we, really Kafka's, really Kafka, Kafka, Kafka's his own, like, that, that's the next character I wanted to bring up, but yeah. I think in terms Kikuru's of just, stick, just, just, just sticking with Kikuru, and I think that, it, it, I think that's interesting, because again, you have more literature background with, than me um, for, for this type of stuff, and I think it's always been interesting to me seeing when, especially with these long-running series, that, yeah. like, at the beginning, how certain writers, you're, like, you go in with a plan of, like, these are my yeah. main characters, these are, the, yeah. like, my main two guys, or my main yeah. two ca- characters that I want to focus on, but it seems like as Kaiju number eight's gone on that uh, Matsumoto has found more of a voice for Kikuru and he's enjoyed writing Kikuru's character compared oh. to like Lino and Mina. And, and that like he, his original his original plan was Lino and Mina to be the, the trio, trio with Kafka. But it seems yeah. like he, as soon as he started writing Kikuru, he fell in love with writing her. And that that's definitely a reason why like she was the only one that went to the first division, why she was paired up with Kafka and why she's the one that's 
getting all this backstory to compared to other other characters that we've gotten in this series and i it's an interesting shift that and it's a good because you want to be flexible when it comes to your storytelling you don't want to be stuck on oh. on, on rails and oh, no. i think that's always like the like leads more to disaster if you get stuck on rails you're not flexible with your storytelling if you if you find a character that as you're writing them that you feel like oh i have so many stories because of the core concept of them go for it like you you could you could go take a risk and i think it's paying off with kikuru's character where when she was initially she was like the sundare of the series but i think yeah. now as you're as you're delving into her character more she's gone away from the sundare just character trope and she's become much more richer she's become yeah. she's just kikuru yeah. shinomiya she's not she's not it doesn't feel like she's a character trope in the series anymore and i think that's a really good choice and again you want to be flexible when you're telling your stories of like of like if there's a character that catches on just go with it it's fine to carry on that momentum and you could always go back to lino and mina eventually but I think it's a good choice to have Kikuru, especially because she's such a different character for, compared to Kafka um, and his oh, more no. timid personality. Right. Agreed. No, you could tell. Look, Kevin, when we've read the first, I don't know, maybe the first 10 chapters, it was, I thought it was painfully clear that Mina was going to be the big character mm. outside of Kafka. I mean, I don't think, I think it was clear yeah. Mina was big. It was, it, was, it was her her and Lena were the other the two right. characters, I would say. And Lena was kind of like under, was less than Mina, but he was clearly positioned as your sidekick, right? Yeah. Kafka sidekick. And then Mina was going to be the, the big name, the, the other big character, the big the big action character of the series. And that didn't happen. <laughs> you, can, you can clearly tell that was the plan going in. And you can clearly tell after about 10 chapters or so that... The plan changed. And I'm fine with that. Matsumoto needs to go with what he feels is the right path, with what he feels most natural with, most connects with, most organic, whatever he is excited about and passionate about. That's what he, the direction he needs to go into. So I am totally fine, completely fine with, with Matsumoto calling an audible and shifting. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and And also, like, I would even say that, it's interesting that we also got introduced again too, because I would say now Kafka again and Kikuru are better complements to each other than oh, yeah. uh, Kafka, Mina, and Vino, because the, these three, like Gen and Kikuru, are so different from yeah. Kafka that they actually complement him really well. And I, they are kind of almost the characters that Kafka really actually does need to improve as a character. And I think it, it's a good thing to be able to adjust, like find those adjustments that you that you need to make sure that this is a long term series. Look, I from the beginning. Look, I'll admit it now. From the beginning, I didn't like Mina's character, and I didn't like Kafka's relationship with her character. It did look. I get the whole look. I'm a big fan of Peter Parker and MJ, and I'm a big fan of the unrequited love storyline, you know, look, Smallville, the TV show Smallville was built all about the un unrequited love between Clark Kent and Lana Lang. Right. So look for, for like 10, oh, for like 10 seasons. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, so I love me some unrequited love story. Do not get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. But in this particular manga, it just didn't click at all for me in the beginning. I didn't like the pairing of Kafka and Mina. I didn't really like, I never really cared about Mina's character. And I didn't like how Kafka was so dependent on her character for everything and anything. Didn't like it. Whereas on the other hand, 
Kikoro, I thought was unbelievably annoying, annoying and shallow in the beginning, and then blossomed and grew into a very compelling and interesting character as Matsumoto fleshed her out more and more. So me personally, I'm thrilled that we pivoted from Mina to Kikoro. Yay. And the relationship between Kikoro and and Kafka is much more interesting because it's not dependent on Kafka being a puppy dog. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, and I think it's good that they're not making it um, romantic at all. I think yeah, it's good that they're that. just making it partner. I think that, yes. I, and I, I'm glad and I hope that, that that continues that they're not, they don't become a romantic oh, at all. I do not want because of the, especially yeah. the age, age difference. Because <laughs> oh, there's that age oh. difference between the two. Yeah. Um, but and also uh, just going to Gen and Lino too, like comparing their characters, like that Lino, like at the beginning was fun, but it was starting to wear thin yeah. of like how how they were just like he was just like the support system of not right. really giving him critiques that like just being that good, good he's a good friend, he's a like yeah. the best friend, but like they, it felt like he ne- Matsumoto never did more with Lino's character, like during like what the first 30 chapters that we saw Lino Lino, but with what the initial 15 chapters that we've been introduced to again i think he's done so much more with oh, Gen's character yes yes like and, and making him so much multi-layered that he is a better compliment for that third that third character that when we you you have a manga series you always have the trio i think gen is a better trio like to complete the trio than than lino is a hundred percent agree no no doubt about it so no doubt but yeah and i think hopefully just going to now kafka's character too now i think Really, like I think that's been our biggest critique of the series is Kafka, um, with his with his uh, kind of regression. Like every story, it seems like he's goes back to zero after go, coming, like ending the story at ten. And I, I'm actually really hopeful, especially with how like the last these last two chapters have turned out. Of like we're actually seeing Kafka fa- be faced with his failings a lot, and like how his own failures as not being able to control the ca- kaiju number eight him constantly going re- regressing every story arc has major consequences which we see here and like it seems like he's finally going to be growing up for the first time and it shows that like i can't let things continue going on repeating a cycle of like i can't transform into kaiju number eight and so there's going to be the battles are going to escalate to a point that i have to transform into kaiju number eight he can't continue going on like that he has to just go into battle thinking he's going to be Kaiju number eight. He's going to transform. He's going to end battles quickly or end battles like before they, they escalate to a degree that they can't control. And I think these last two chapters specifically for Kaiju number eight with 54 and 55 has finally feels like we're on a road for actual growth for Kafka's character compared to where we've been in the previous 53 chapters. Yeah. Look, it's the theory. It's called Groundhog Day character development right? The theory of Groundhog Day character development. It was, look, I, one of my, you know, my Kinikamon, I love him, but in the second generation Kinikamon stories, his son Montaro had Groundhog Day character development. He was a coward and he would cry and pee his pants and then somehow during the fight he would learn that he had to stand up, do the right thing, beat the bad guy, be courageous, fight, and he would beat, win the fight and then the next, next story arc would start and guess what? He's crying, he's peeing his pants, he's a coward, and we've got to do the same lesson again. And that happened every story arc, the same lesson. Well, it was very, not quite as extreme with Kaiju number eight, but it's very close, Kevin. It is absolute Groundhog Day character development. 
and we've seen it over and over on this title. And it's really, really damaged Kafka's character. I'm not saying we can't rehabilitate him, but I am telling you, at least to me, Matsumoto has really created himself a big hill. And he's going to have to pull that, push that boulder up that hill. He has made this much harder than he had to make it on himself. He created the problem. And I, 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 I'm someone who adored Kafka's character when I first, when we first met him. In the beginning of the series, I was like, oh, he is so cool. He's kind of like an he's kind of like middle-aged Peter Parker. This is great. I love it. He was different because he was in his 30s, not something you see in Shonen manga. He had a Peter Parker style personality. I immediately found him to be something different that we'd normally get in Shonen manga, something compelling, something interesting. And then we proceeded to have gotten nothing for 55 chapters. I mean nothing to the point where. And Kikoro's character work was great in the story. Do not get me wrong, but to it, I I agree. You should always flesh out your supporting cast because you can't. It takes a story to a whole new level when you have really strong supporting cast. I think we all can agree to that. But you can't do it at the expense of the supposed titular protagonist, and I feel like Matsumoto did it at the expense of Kafka's character. And yes, we end chapter 55 with Kafka maybe possibly getting past this Groundhog Day character work. But his character was not helped at all in the story arc. It was hurt again. He has no personality. He has no agency. It's he at this point he's a hard character to really get invested in. Yeah, you you almost have to restart with the character. I completely agree, but I, I'm more positive with the last two chapters just because I do feel like it's going to be, finally that be that turn around again. It has to prove me. It has to prove, <laughs> prove that first. Um, but I, I do feel, I do get that feeling. But right. Um, this is also the pro, kind of overall problem whenever you have a character character that from the beginning is overpowered because you have yes. like his his Super Saiyan transformation, which is Kaiju number eight. Yep. Once he transforms in that, it's a problem solver. It it, it finishes That's off fine. the story, but okay. so the entire his entire you can't have him just transform into Kaiju number eight right away because it ends this ends the action it ends everything. Um, so and that that is why like when you have like stories like One Punch Man or or other things like that where the character is so overpowered, you got to figure out how to make the antagonist interesting, how to make the the struggle interesting, that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Matsumoto really ran into a wall with that of like, I have Kafka, he is overpowered when he transforms into Kaiju number eight. So I have to figure out a way to hold him back. But every time he, he, he found a way to hold him back, it actually held back the character development and just uh, how he was portraying him, um, which is really unfortunate. And hopefully Matsumoto figures out a good way to develop Kafka's character and also make Kaiju number eight show that he still has a lot of room to grow because it still feels like Kaiju number eight doesn't have any room to grow. He's as powerful as he's going to get. And he's yeah. just a, he's the Superman. He's the Superman basically of like, in, uh, uh, it's an emergency break glass. And now we, now it's, now it's solved. And that's where Kaiju, like the Kaiju number eight transformation is sitting at. And hopefully like that's fixed. And that, that is really going to be the thing that's going to help Kafka care. Kafka's character the most is that they figure out a way to have him grow. So that way it's not just reliant on, 
Kaiju number eight, once Kaiju number eight appears, it's going to solve everything. Agreed that it's, he has got to, boy, that has to be fixed and it has to be fixed fast because this title, despite, I love the supporting cast, Kevin. I really do. And I love the world that we're in and the action is brilliant. And this manga can be successful without a good protagonist. It can be, but if it, if it wants to become a truly great manga, it's got to fix its protagonist problem and it's yeah. got to do it quickly. We're, we're now 55 chapters in Kevin. It, it's time. It's time. Yeah. It's got, you know, yeah, and, and again, like I said, it's the issue whenever you have an overpowered character from the beginning. <laughs> and it like, was, it, it, he was OP right from the start. Yeah, there was yeah. no like gradual, gradually building yeah. him up, building him up, building him up. The Kaiju number eight that we got in his first fight, Kevin, is basically the one that we're getting now. There's not yeah. much difference. It's just that the villains yeah. he's gone up against have become more and more powerful, but he's yeah. been the same. It's kind of like, uh, like just the opposite of that is is Deku and My Hero Academia of. Deku is overpowered from the beginning, but but they you find a way to make even though he's overpowered, he has really strong powers. He still has a lot of room to grow with that power because he can't control he can't it. He, he can't handle like his body can't handle it. It damages his body and things like that. And you're like, okay, that's interesting. Let me go off that. And how is this character, the main, my main character, going to grow from there? How is he going to be even more stronger than than his current max power is? It just seems like Matsumoto hasn't found a way to do that for Kafka's character where. Is the kaiju number eight kaiju number eight damaging his body? Is every time he transforms, does he is he becoming more like a kaiju when he goes back to human form? Is that hurting him internally? Is it poisoning him? You got to find something when it comes to the transformation that not not necessarily hurts him, but like makes Kafka the human have to grow along with the kaiju number eight, so that way you could control it better. And it just doesn't feel like like the only thing that really we've gotten so far for him is. Oh yeah, I can't transform. I got to figure out why I have this mental block. Yeah, yeah, you're that's right. It. No, that's all. That, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like with Deku and My Hero Academia, what the cool thing about Deku is that you see that he has to do all this training, he has to go through yes. all the all this control effort and all this stuff that that make, makes that. his character grow much more interesting. You see that how he continuously gets higher and higher when it comes yeah. to his power. So that way, when you have the right. big payoff of him saving the day, it's so cool because you're like. He's learning. He's getting better. He's Im- improving everything that he's doing so far, so that he can maximize what his power level already. That's already right. really high. And they make a point of telling you, oh, he was able to access ten percent in this fight. In this fight, it was eighteen percent or whatever. Yeah. But it, it, the percentage that he's accessing, it does build and it does grow, and it does require both mental fortitude and physical. Mm-hmm toughness because it hurts his body right as he's yeah. growing and pushing his boundaries so it offers yeah. physical and emotional challenges for him to grow and we're lacking physical or psychological yeah. challenges yeah. for kafka to grow and yeah. that it it's beginning to it's beginning to be a problem with the story but now Despite everything else <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? one thing that my looks like will be a problem for the characters in the story, but really is going to be interesting. What, what happened at the end of chapter 55 is that Soshiro is interacting yep. with Kaiju number 10, but we yes. don't really know where he's in, where Soshiro is interacting with Kaiju number 10. It's just, he just starts talking to this Kaiju number 10 that is in this containment unit yep. and getting, looks like it's getting healed after something happened to it. 
but yep. we don't really know at all. All we see is that Sorcerer is talking to it. What do you think of this ending for in chapter 55? This is a great hook ending. Okay, Kevin, this was, a, I just slagged on Matsumoto for the work on Kafka. So let me go back to being the, uh, talking about some of the positive stuff again, because there yeah. is a lot to like about this manga. I feel like <laughs> that may have gotten lost in what I've been talking about, but there's a lot to like about this manga too, okay? And this ending is fantastic because yeah. I'm just going, oh my God, immediately my mind starts racing. I'm like, okay, wait, hold on. All right, is is Hoshina a traitor and he is going to help Kaiju number 10 uh, grow back and and help the Kaiju attack uh, you know, army against the humans. Is that one possibility or, or is Hoshina doing something unsanctioned? Now it's with the defense force, but it's unsanctioned, but he's doing it to help the defense force. Maybe he's going to use Kaiju number 10 to try to create Kaiju number 10 as some type of uh, maybe a weapon to be used against the Kaiju, right? Because we've seen where they've used DNA from all the different Kaijus, you know, one through seven at, to create weapons for our heroes to use against kaijus. So is he doing this to create a new weapon based on kaiju number 10? Is he doing it off the books in secrecy? Or is he doing it on the books with the approval of the Council of the Defense Force? So there's three different options right there. Yeah. Or maybe he's... Or maybe he is an agent of chaos, and there's a fourth possibility we don't know about. So there's four there's four avenues I immediately thought of right there at that ending. Yeah, and my my big thing was is the kaiju because we don't know about anything about the kaijus of how they were created or who's running it. And my like immediately seeing the facility that he entered in, it looked like a government facility, and I almost was started thinking of like, did the government create the kaiju and that the entire defense force? They just is them like them figuring out a way to clean up their own mess that they've created with the kaijus. Um, and that's immediately where, it, where my, my mind went, because it's always government conspiracy to me. Right. Um, <laughs> and but, because again, we don't, we don't really know anything about the kaiju threat, what their nope. motivations are, how they were created or anything. We just found out that they ran like a kaiju randomly showed up somewhere. And yep. how would that randomly show up and the defense force get so quickly established to be able yep. to fight off these um, kaijus that my my mind at least my theory is that the, the government created the kaijus and now they're just cleaning up but they're not able to clean it up fast enough because they're it's a growing threat because it, like you said it's a parasite it's almost like a parasite yep. where it's seeping into animals it's seeping into humans it's and, and into the ground and everything so that like it's become uncontrollable and they're just figuring out a way so that until hopefully they can wipe them out before the public finds out that the government like this is actually the government's fault Right. And I feel like Soshiro is a government agent that he's like maybe his parents or somehow he or or he has like or like friends or some something like that, that his his family wasn't involved in creating the kaiju or something like that. That at least what I, I think is going. Right. To and that's a, that's another possibility. But there's so many possibilities yeah. here, Kevin. It's it, they're all interesting. Yeah. They're all fascinating. I'm incredibly excited to see which direction Matsumoto yeah. takes, but they're all that's the cool thing. We've now come up with multiple, very viable explanations for what's going on. Yeah. Right. And I think, the, the, and this is where, like, I think Kafka's character growth, like, is going to hinder the experience of reading the, the series again. But I think it's these type of developments that, like, when now you, 
while Kafka's character isn't hasn't gotten grown more interesting when you have characters like Soshiro, yeah. like this action, and now you're going to go, when you read back the series again, you're going to be keeping a more eye on Soshiro's character and everything that he says and does oh. because he was yeah. always kind of a shady character from the beginning. Everything <laughs> from from the way he looks, the way he fights, the way he interacts with Kafka and and the other defense force members, it, there was always a shady nature to him. Now we kind of find out there there is an actual reason why we felt this way outside of just the character simple character design and the way he Mm -hmm. acted because there is something behind this character and so i think being proven kind of almost correct about how he is a shady character um is interesting because now when you read back like his line specifically or his actions it's there's going to be a a new layer to it especially if depending on where what direction matsumoto goes with Soshiro's character i think the least exciting avenue forward would be if this is simply Hoshina working underneath the direction of the directors and simply creating a new weapon based on Kaiju number 10. That's the least interesting avenue, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. that, that's what yeah. I think you and I are hoping we don't get. <laughs> right? I, think I think we, we both want like more greater conspiracy going on, right? Yes. yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Either he has done a full heel turn and he is working with the Kaiju or... It's a government conspiracy, and he is part of the government agency that created the kaiju. Those two, much more juicy, much more interesting than he's simply creating a weapon based on kaiju number 10. Which is going to be interesting, too, because going back to it, we do have the power vacuum now that director Shinomiya is not around. And we don't even know if director general Shinomiya knew about the the government creating the kaiju because he was just the leader of the defense force, not the government itself. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what director general shinomiya knew about like when he he was the leader and if mm-hmm. if this this was a deeper government thing or uh or is it going to be its own separate thing of like there, there's these scientists working on it and and soshiro just infiltrated the the defense force be, to be their agent and that there's this whole other organization working from from the shadows as well so like there's there's a lot of ways that they could go with and it's yes. Hopefully that like one of these the conspiracy routes is where uh, Matsumoto goes because th- that would be much more interesting than just a, a social creating a new weapon. Agreed. Oh, totally agree. And and don't you think that we are now now that we are fifty five chapters in? I, I certainly feel this way, but I'm interested to see if you agree or not. Don't you think it's kind of time where we learn a little bit more about yeah and how they were created, where they're from, what their deal is. Yeah, I think I think this is like you don't have to reveal everything, but I think it is oh. the point, especially when you have like the power vacuum that we have. You have General Shinomiya getting absorbed by the Kaiju Number Nine, and, and all these things that have happened to the Defense Force. I think it's good that you start developing the, the antagonist because that that is really a, the other complaint about like I, I've had with the series. Uh, Rock, I'm not sure about how you feel, but we really don't have. A, like outside of Kaiju number nine, there's not been much in terms of the antagonist. It's just like a monster of the week style type storytelling yep. so far. And I think it's time for Kaiju number nine to move away from, from a monster of the week storytelling to like official, like let's develop our main bad guys. Let's get these long-term threats that are going to take a year to defeat sometimes or take like, or like four or five months. And it, there's going to be a reason for it more so than it's just, Oh, we got to power through it for until Kaiju number eight transforms. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. We got to move past the, the the monster of the week style storytelling, flesh out the kaiju more, flesh out how they were created. Now, again, don't to give it 
all to us, but you got to start mm-hmm. that, right? You got to start feeding us crumbs on what is the story behind the Kaiju? How are they created? What is their motivation? We need to start to learn yeah. more about them. And, and, and we need more. I would be nice if we got more than just Kaiju number nine. I know we have Kaiju number 10 out there. I, I, I get mm-hmm. that. But it'd be nice to flesh out, you know, just like the good guys need a good supporting cast, you know, the bad guys need one too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? yeah and hopefully, like with Social be showing up at the end, uh, surprisingly, is we'll, we'll get that of like there's going to be more characters involved in all this, like maybe human characters and not just Kaiju. So it's going to be interesting to see what where direction um, Kaiju number eight goes. Agreed. I think there's a lot of potential going forward. I really do. I think that Matsumoto is. We wanted more world building, Kevin. I know earlier in on these reviews, we were more world building, and we have gotten that. Yeah. And I think the world building is really, really improved. I think we have many interesting plot lines running at the same time. I think now we just got to address Kafka. I think mm-hmm. this, I think if, if he can mm-hmm. deliver on what you and I are seeing, the hint of. Kafka moving past the Groundhog Day character development, if that really is real, if he doesn't trick us again, if it's real, then Kaiju number eight, Kevin, 2022 might be a big year for this manga. It might take big strides forward and become one of the bigger manga for the year. It has that potential. Yeah, it has that potential, and then it also has the Hopefully, like you said, it's it's a rare manga where you want the main character to actually become interesting because, like, there it's definitely like the main character. It feels like the main character is what's bringing the this yes. entire series down because every everything else it has all the elements: the yep. great supporting cast, yep. great great villains now established that have like a big threat. You just got to improve your main character. Like, Thank it you. has a main character problem right now. Like, your 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 titular character is not working out. Yep, and we gotta fix that, or else it should be maybe Kikuru. You should start thinking that Kikuru should be the main character now. Right, that's so, exactly which that's isn't a bad, point. which wouldn't be a bad thing because Kikuru is awesome. But at the same time, it's maybe Kafka wasn't the best choice for a, a lead of this of the series. Right, right. That so we'll see, we'll see. Twenty twenty two could be a really big year. I'm hoping. I'm. I, I've got. I'm still. I still got my fingers crossed. I yeah. still think it can happen. <laughs> Is there anything else that's the, like before we end the episode? Is there anything else that uh, this recent story arc that stood out that you wanted to mention? The only thing I want to mention is can we just heap some more praise on Matsumoto for a beautiful artwork, Kevin? Yeah. The artwork is gorgeous. It is just absolutely gorgeous. And I can't remember which chapter it is, Kevin, in this story arc. I want to say it maybe 50, chapter 50, where we get quite a few pages in color, which is, you know, a rarity. With manga, but I want to say I can't remember exactly which chapter it is, but we get multiple pages in color, and it is just gorgeous, Kevin. It's oh yeah, <laughs> you are right that we did get that. I forget what chapters they are, but that really oh. does stand out because it just shows what happens when you go in with the intention of coloring uh, pages for manga compared to yeah. when like you like uh, digitally coloring them after the fact because there's nice. a big difference between that and oh, kind yeah. of just showing that like kind of those pages kind of feel more like a comic book really with, with the yeah. way they're colored yeah. um, because there's so much heavy inking that gets involved with manga that it's not made for you to color it after the fact yep. that, and it kind of that really does show with those color pages of like 
you have to go it, in with the intention of coloring those those uh those pages instead of like coloring them after the fact digitally yes and what is it's chapter 47 kevin It's chapter 47 and normally if you get color pages in a manga what is it it's the first first or it's either the first yeah. page or the first two pages of the chapter that they put in color right yeah. and then it's all black and white after that not this case in chapter 47 and I, this is what made it so amazing i just want to heap some praise on the artwork because this is so cool in chapter 47 we have again he is activating his other customized weapon that we hadn't seen it's the the eyeball implants oh yeah of, uh, the retina from kaiju number one mm -hmm. it allows him to see into the kaiju and find out where their weak spot is where their heart is or the core so he can damage it and the minute it's activated the final two pages and it's a double page splash shot kevin all in color because his retina has been activated that's cool right retina's mm -hmm. activated you get color and the color art is just mm -hmm. wow i mean i matsumoto's artwork is gorgeous in black and white but whoa when you see him do it in color kevin it is jaw dropping Matsumoto is such a good artist. And Kaiju number eight has some of the best art, period, that you're going to find. I just, at least it's tailor made to my taste. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. I and don't I think know. Also, he did, his art style, he does a good job of making, uh, like, like everybody else, so detailed, the action so detailed that Kafka, like when Kafka appears on page, he yeah. looks very plain and goes back to the Peter Parker thing of being a plain. Yes like uh baby like baby face like doesn't stand out in a crowd at all like yeah whenever you get shots of him it, it, like that stands out even more that he's just such a plain looking guy that if he was in a crowd he wouldn't be a character that would stand out at all yep absolutely so absolutely but yeah it, it's great no i agree i agree the artwork definitely he, he stepped up his game even more so this, oh, this so awesome. like, how crazy the action went yeah, yeah, no, it's phenomenal. Like even the um, when Kaiju Number Nine observed General Shinomiya, that was another standout. Like I think that was like yep. a double page spread of like Kaiju Number Nine just standing there as General Shinomiya, so it looked like yep. General Shinomiya won the battle, but yep. it actually turned out that he got absorbed by Kaiju Number Nine. That 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 was another good show yep. of art, like of showing that transformation of like you think you think one thing, but you think another thing because the art is showing it. So and I thought that was a good, cool thing. Agreed. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Awesome. Well, I think that's where we're going to end this uh, today's episode. Again, th thank you, Rock, for joining me on, on this episode and geeking out over Kaiju number eight. And hopefully, like 2022 will be a big year for the series. Fingers crossed, Kevin. Fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> until next time, everyone have a good, good rest of your day.